Hey everybody, you're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Today we're sharing a message from our latest series. We believe the Word of God in Scripture is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website, poemachurch.ca. going to get ready today. If you don't know me, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Rachel and my husband Matt and I pastor here at New Song Church. If you're wondering where he is, he is at our Hamilton location. We are one family. We have two locations and he is in Hamilton this morning. Today we have a special treat all the way from Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, Before we get into that, I want to just release all the kids. If you're heading to kids' church, if you're heading to nursery, now is that time for you to head out. We love you. Have lots of fun. I'm sure you will. And um, so, like I said, we have a treat today. This is one of my dear, dear friends, and her husband is preaching today in Hamilton. So... You got the ladies today. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. Um, This woman, they pastor an awesome church in Edmonton, and they have been um, the type of friends that you can cry and snot and scream and freak out with and the type of friends that are there to challenge you, and how many of you, maybe you don't know, but pastors especially need people like that in their lives to go, hey, what's happening? What's going on in this area? What's, what's happening in your heart? How's your soul? And Des has been that friend for me. So I'm not going to go on any longer. Can we just give her a warm welcome and welcome Desiree to the stage today? Come on. Good morning. Good morning. Um, So just so you know, it's okay to like talk in church. It's okay to like respond a little bit. It's okay to be like awake and alive in church because how many of you know that the church is alive and God is good and he is moving and he wants to move and he wants to speak and he wants to speak to you? Like, do you, do you actually believe that this morning? Because I do. And I get a little excited about it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm going to get a little bit excited about it this morning. Um, I just want to hinge on something for a minute, if that's okay with you. Um, songs, for me, have a way of gripping my heart um, in ways that other things can't. And when we sing a song like that, and when we sing words like, you have no rival, you have no equal, do we actually understand what we're saying? And do we actually live as if we understand what we're saying? Do we live and do we trust God in a way that says, I know you have no rival? And so I think that way, I pray that way, I believe that way, I hope that way, 
because you have no rival. And so I want you to just, for the first little bit here, keep that phrase in the back of your mind. You have no rival. You have no equal. As I read this portion of scripture that you have probably heard many times, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the one who has no rival and no equal. Hmm. Can I just tell you, okay, first of all, I guess I should probably tell you a little more about myself. So <laughs> my name is Desiree. My husband's name is Brett. We pastor a couple of amazing churches in Edmonton and, and surrounding area called Saints Church. And it has been a ride, let me tell you. Like you thought COVID was crazy. Try doing COVID on a transition and like a whole bunch of stuff all in one. It was nuts, um, but God is good. Amen. God is good, he is faithful, and I'm thankful and grateful because otherwise I wouldn't be standing here. Um, but we pastor two amazing churches, and uh, <clears throat> I have two amazing boys, two sons, um, named Everett and Kingston, and they are in seven and ten years old, and they are wonderful and amazing, and I miss them, and I love them. Um, but I'm just so grateful that I get to be here with you this morning. And um, as Pastor Rach mentioned, we've known Pastors Rach and, and Matt for um, a long time, and we love them deeply. And um, so I, if it's okay to tell you this, I love you deeply, um, and I consider you family and I hope that's all right. And I hope that's not weird to you. And uh, I'll let you know in advance. I'm a hugger. So um, just prepare yourself. It's all good. Um, but, you know, in light of, of this phrase, trust in the Lord with all your heart, I want to tell you, I want to start by telling you a, 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 just a little story of a, a journey that the Lord has taken me on in the last year. And it's been this journey of trust and deeper trust and understanding what it actually means to trust God with all your heart every day, all day, all the time. Trust him, trust his word, trust that he speaks. And uh, so I want to tell you this story because um, actually it's kind of a fun one. And uh, so here we go. So about a year ago, um, I was in this, in this space of having to make a decision about something that caused me a great amount of stress. You ever been there where you have to make a decision about something and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. I need you to tell me what to do. God, help me. Like I, there's like, I can't, I can't, I don't know what to do. God, would you speak to me? Because I'm so, mm, I don't know what to do. And, um, so it was just a lot of wrestling and a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknown around this thing. And I didn't know how to proceed. And, uh, and I felt the Lord lead me to take 48 hours, two days to fast and pray and just seek him and, and get into, get into, in, into his presence and, and just let him, because you know what, when you're desperate, you'll do anything, Right. The sad part is we wait until desperation to do those things. That's an aside. But the Lord was asking me to take just 48 hours, pray and fast, 
ask me what to do. And, and going into this 48-hour fast, um, I asked the Lord for some very specific things um, because I wanted, to, I wanted to know that I know that I know that I got the answer. And uh, so one of the things that I asked was for him to speak to me in a dream. I don't know if there's any dreamers in the room, people who typically have God dreams. I'm actually not that person. I don't typically have dreams, God dreams, where I wake up and I'm like, God spoke to me. Um, And so that's why I asked for this, because I wanted to be different. I wanted to know that I know that God was speaking. And so I said, God, would you give me a dream? And and, uh, then I'll I'll kind of have an idea that you're talking to me. Um, And because it's only fair, God actually asked me a question going in. So I asked him for something. He asked me for something. He asked a question. He said, do you trust me? Very simply, do you trust me? Well, I thought I did. (laughs) And um, so that night, first night, going into this 48-hour fast, guess what? I had a dream. (laughs) And uh, you're going, okay, great. Like, you had a dream. God spoke. He gave you all the information that you needed, like, within the first 10 hours. And uh, no, no, didn't work that way. Um, I had a dream and this may sound bizarre to you, but it'll make sense in a minute. I had a dream about fire. Okay. All right, Lord. So I have a dream about fire. I asked for a dream. Don't normally dream. So I'm going to trust that this dream is from you, but I have no idea what it means. Um, and uh, so what do you do when, when you don't know what God's speaking to you? You go to the word, because this is the primary way that he speaks. So I go to the word and I, and I start just like pouring through and like, God, where do you talk about fire? And, and he led me to 1 Kings chapter 19. And this is a portion of scripture where the Lord is meeting with Elijah, the prophet. And God's meeting with him, and he's on the side of this mountain. And, uh, and this is where God, God doesn't, sh- he says he's going to meet with him, but he, he doesn't show up in the fire. He doesn't show up in the wind. He doesn't show up in the earthquake. He shows up in a still small voice. And so I thought, okay, well, we got, we're one for three. We're one for three here. We got the fire. All right, this could be, I don't know, I'm going to put this on the shelf and just like wait it out. Let's see what, let's see what you're going to do, Lord. Um, and then the funny thing is later that day, um, and if you're a mom, you'll probably understand this more. I was checking my, my weather app to see what, um, what the weather was going to be like the next day for the sake of my kids going to school, right? Like we just do that. And uh, so I opened the weather up for the next day. You want to know what it shows? All the way through. Wind, 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 wind. All day long. Honestly, that day hit and it was like the windiest day we've had, we'd had in like, I don't even know how long. Like you're driving on the highway and your car's doing this because it's so windy. And I'm going, okay, okay. Fire. Okay. Wind. Okay. Earthquake. Come on. Like, God, what are the odds? Like, really? I don't know. I don't know about this. So what I should also mention is that for these 48 hours, I was also completely off of like social media. I wasn't checking the news. I wasn't checking anything on social media. So I finished these 48 hours, these two days. And uh, that next day following the fast, 
partway through the day, I finally pull out my phone. And I'm just like, oh, what did I miss? You know, you want to know what pops up (laughs) on my feed? One of the first things that I see, and I keep it on my phone as a reminder, the weather network that night, a 4.1 magnitude earthquake was recorded near Rocky Mountain House, Alberta on Wednesday night. You can't make that up. (laughs) You can't make that up. And I thought, God, okay, you have my attention. I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) And the thing is, I was looking for one answer. But what I didn't realize is that I actually need, the answer I actually needed came in the form of a question. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm going to speak to you? Do you trust that you're going to hear me? Do you trust that I speak through my word? Well, very clearly, yeah. Yeah, I can. We can. See, the problem is, is that man says, show me and I'll trust you. And God says, trust me and let me show you. Let me show you. And he showed me. And I can tell you that changed my entire perspective. And it launched me into a journey that I have had this entire year of of God speaking to me and showing me things and doing crazy stuff that I have never seen before simply out of the simple, out of the question, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And... So this is where my journey started and and what I needed. And honestly, it's what I believe the church today needs so desperately is a revival of trust. We say, God, I want a revival. I want want people to come to know Jesus. I I want to see revival in hordes of people. And he's going, yeah, but do you trust me? Like, do you actually trust that, that I can do that? Do you actually trust that I can do the things that I say I can do, the things that are actually going to bring the people in? Like, it starts here. It starts here. And so this morning, I want to read to you from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And normally you would hear this maybe around Christmas, but tough luck, you're hearing it now. The birth of Jesus foretold. Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and absolutely disturbed, as anyone would be if an angel showed up in your house, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, 
but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. Hmm. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Hear this. For nothing is impossible with God. Can I just say that again? For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Hmm. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy, and this is what I want you to hear. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Simple, not easy. You believed the Lord would do what he said. <laughs> do you believe the Lord will do what he says? Do you believe what he says in his word? Well, you might say, okay. But in this scenario, Mary had an encounter with an angel, okay? Like wings, massive, glowing, huge angel, okay? It's different. It's different. <laughs> like, if God, if God or an, you would say this, right? If God or an angel showed up, I would 100% believe whatever they told me, right? Right? We, we think that. In our minds, we think that way. Then, have you ever heard yourself saying this? Then I'd know for sure that God was speaking. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to like crack that little lie right here. Because earlier in Luke chapter 1, we read about Zechariah. He's a devout man, a member of the priestly order, and he goes to perform his priestly duties, and uh, he has an encounter with an angel. Same thing. Angel shows up. The angel delivers the word. Same word. Just a reminder. The angel delivers a word straight from God that his wife, who is barren and old in age, will have a baby, John the Baptist. And you want to know what his response was? But how can I be sure? How can I be sure? So let me get this straight. Angel shows up, speaks the word of the Lord, and we're still asking how can I be sure? Can I really trust your word? Do I really trust you? 
See, it doesn't matter if God shows up, if an angel shows up, or if God speaks to you here. You can be sure. What's it going to take for us to believe his word? To not just believe in him, but to truly believe him when he says something. What's it going to take for us as the church to believe God will do what he said he would do? You know what he said he would do? He said he'd do the impossible. He said you will do greater things. He said you will see signs, wonders, and miracles. Do you believe it? Are we seeing it? Because the fruit is in what we, it comes out of what we believe, right? Right? And I think we're in a season where God is trying to stir things up and challenge us and say, it's time to get out of complacency. It's time to take a step outside of just sitting back and letting life happen and saying, no, 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 no. Do you trust me enough to take a step when I ask you to move? Do you trust me enough to get in here and obey what I tell you to do? Because I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to tell you something. Earthquake. Hello. He's going to speak to you. It's not just me. I'm not anybody special. Okay? He wants to speak to you. And it's for a reason. What's it going to take for us to believe? <laughs> His word. So today I just simply want to remind us of a few things about his word. So that maybe we can grab hold of the fact that we can take this to the bank. Number one, the word carries weight. The word carries weight. In Genesis, it tells us that the word of God spoke everything into existence. This word, this word spoke everything into existence. In John, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh. Jesus is the word. It carries weight. It's not just writing on a page. Sometimes we read it that way. Mm -mm. It carries weight. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. When you read this, do you read this as if these words are shooting out of the page because they are his breath, because they are alive, because they are powerful? This is not a dead book. <laughs> See, the delivery method, whether it's angels or a book, is not what gives it its accuracy, its relevancy, or its potency. It's not what brings the power and authority. It's the word itself and who it originated from, who it came out of. There is power in the word of God because it comes from the very mouth of God, and it carries the very breath of God. And I love this picture. I'm a very visual person. So when I, when I read scripture and when, when I talk about this, 
I think 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. So when you read that and when you speak that out loud, do you know that it is the very breath that's going out of you? Have you thought about it like that? That his very breath, the breath that breathed life into existence, the breath that brought the seen out of the unseen is what's coming out of your mouth? Do you understand what's coming out of you when you speak that word? There is power and weight in the word of God. It is a gift and it is a tool designed to be used. We are not meant to sit on this. We are meant to speak this. If we would actually just believe it. Beth Moore in her book, Praying God's Word, says this, May God remind us daily, no matter what kind of obstacles we face, that we are loved and empowered by the one who brought the universe into existence with the mere sound of his voice. Nothing is impossible for him. That's the same thing that Angel told Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Other manuscripts actually translate that same verse, verse 37, in this way. For the word of God will never fail. Can I ask you, how often do we talk about things as if his word has already failed? I'm going through this situation, and I'm just, it's never going to happen, and like... You know, I'm sick and never going to get better. I, I, this, this situation is too far gone. Um, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too far gone. The word of God has not failed, does not fail, cannot fail. Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? The answer is no, obviously. <laughs> but how often do we forget? Um, daily. The word carries a weight and a power we can only hope to continue to understand. Isaiah 55, 11. I love this verse. This is God talking about his word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Guess what happens when you speak his word? Other translations say his word cannot return void. When you speak this, when you pray this, do you understand that his word cannot come back empty? It can't. It will accomplish all that he wants it to, and it will prosper everywhere that he sends it. So if he sent you, 
he sent it. His word carries the weight and the power of all of heaven behind it. I love that picture. The earth responds to his word. The angels obey his word and his voice. How do we respond? The word carries authority in this world. Do we believe it and are we using it? Are we using it? Okay, that's number one. Two, the word is a weapon. If you've been in church any length of time, you probably know Ephesians 6, right? The armor of God, all the things we are told to pick up and put on daily, right? There's a belt, there's a breastplate, there's a shield, there's shoes, there's a helmet, and there's a sword. Do you ever think about the fact that only one of those things is a weapon? Only one. The rest is armor. Only one weapon. One weapon. The weapon we're given to wield is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right before Jesus began his public ministry, right after he was baptized and the Spirit rested on him, he went into the wilderness, the dry, barren, dead place, and he ate and drank nothing, and so he was experiencing extreme hunger and thirst. And in that place, in that state of being, that's how he confronted the enemy at his weakest. And what did he choose to wield? Because this is our example to follow. With all of heaven's angels behind him, ready to go. One word and they would have gone for it. Heaven's armies. Mm -mm. The weapon he chose to use so effectively and so precisely and so efficiently was the word of God. <laughs> Guys, why don't we do the same thing? We come up against the impossible and we give in to the enemy so often. When with one word, all of heaven is behind and could take it out in a minute. In that moment, Jesus taught us how to walk in the wilderness. No matter how exhausted, how beaten down, how taken out, how parched, the weapon we have that is completely capable to get us through is the word of God. Because you know it's when you feel dry and broken and alone and exhausted and bruised and wounded. It's, that's when the enemy comes in to whisper in your ear and break you further. And the word is your weapon. It carries all the authority of heaven and it is therefore dangerous to the enemy. Hear me. He can't stand up to this. He actually can't. I think we forget that all the time. He can't. Listen. Okay. I'm wearing heels, but I'm small, okay? I'm short, I'm small, I'm not super scrappy. Pastor Rach could take me out, I'm sure, in like 
two seconds flat. I have no doubt, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just trust me. <laughs> but let me tell you, I want to be dangerous. I want to be dangerous. I want to be dangerous to the enemy. I want the church to be dangerous to the enemy because we, be because we believe God will do what he says he will do. That's how we're dangerous. It's not like we do the work. He does it. We just trust that he's going to do it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not the world's weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. How much of the last couple of years has the church and its people been fighting and responding with human reasoning and our own verbal weapons and not God's weapons. And look at all the pain and hurt that's been inflicted. And there is a world and a church-wide division right now. And you have your answer. The word is a weapon, and we are meant to believe it and use it. Last one, number three. The word is the way. Psalm 119, 97, 98, and 104 to 105 says this. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Listen, when you need an answer, when you need to know what to do, where to go, how to act, what to say, how to respond, as I discovered, earthquake, okay? The answer is the word. It's in the word. Go to the word. Devour the word. Let it get in you, on you, all over you. So only thing that comes out of you is his word. Let it be your constant guide. And here's the other place it's going to lead you. And that's what it has done for me in the last year. It has led me closer to the heart of the Father. And it's in that space and that place, when you are close, when you draw near, when you are in his presence, hmm, that you begin to understand how trustworthy he actually is. He's so good. So today, I just want to simply ask you the same question that he asked me. Do you trust him. Do you trust his word? And does your life show that? Does it show it? Is it a reflection of that? You hear all over the church, I said it. We want to see revival. 
God, we want to see revival. God, it's coming. Let me tell you, we are not going to see those souls saved. We are not going to see what we want to see until we trust him to do the impossible, until we trust him enough to move when he says to move, until we trust him enough to obey when he says go, until we trust him enough to open our mouths, until we trust him enough to pray his word and watch things change. We will not see what we are claiming we're going to see until we trust him so much more. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Why don't you stand? We're going to sing in a minute. I just want to pray. I want to pray for you and pray over you and to anyone watching online, shout out to online. This is for you too. It's for all of us. And after I pray, I want you to just take a minute before you start singing and truly ask yourself, God, do I trust him? Do I really trust him? Am I prepared for what that means? Am I willing to go there? Actually, because you know what? Sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Sometimes there's a, a lot of unknown. Sometimes it involves a great deal of patience and waiting. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen. Are you willing to do what it takes to hear him speak to you and to trust him when he does and then to follow through, to obey? <laughs> That's a whole nother message right there. Are you willing? but I think it starts here. It starts in the heart. It starts with genuinely asking the question. I, I say it all the time. God, I trust you. God, I tr we sing it all the time. But do at the crux and the core of it, do I actually believe it? Do I live it? And if the answer is no, then take this moment and say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I'm sorry that I have not trusted you with this. I'm sorry that I, ha I haven't trusted you with my life. I'm sorry that I haven't trusted you enough to get in your word and trust that you're gonna speak to me. I'm sorry. Would you speak to me? I'm gonna choose today to start trusting you like I haven't before. Jesus, I thank you right now that you're here. I thank, it. I thank you that you are present and I thank you that you care enough about every detail of our lives that you are willing to give a person a crazy dream to send some wind and to allow it to all line up with when the earth is going to move. Thank you. Thank you that you care enough 
that you so much want to speak to us, that you so much want us to hear what you have to say, that you care so much about a relationship with us. A relationship that is meant to be exciting in a journey where we are constantly blown away by your goodness and your mercy that follows us. Every day, it chases us down, your word says, every day of our lives. God, we wanna see it. We wanna see you. We wanna see what we haven't been seeing. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we don't have to wait and be the one of few that get an encounter with an angel when we can encounter you every single day in every single minute. And that's how you wanna speak. God, would you help us to trust you and believe that that is the truth? And would you begin now, Lord Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit to speak into every heart, speak into every mind. Would you open and illuminate your word in ways that you have not before for everyone here? that there would be fresh encounters, that there would be fresh insight, that there would be <laughs> rhema words popping off the page left, right, and center because you want to speak. And Lord, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing because there is always more going on than meets the eye. Help us to see into the unseen through the power of your word. We trust you. We choose to trust you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Take this moment and just have a conversation with him. Have a conversation right now. Whether it's in your head or out loud, I don't care. Just have a conversation with him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. And we're going to take some time and we're going to worship him because he is worthy of all of our praise. He's so good. He's so good. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website, poemachurch.ca.